Notice with me 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. The easy-to-read version says this, I know the one I have put my trust in. To know God is to trust him. If you don't fully trust the Lord, it simply means you don't know him well enough. He is completely trustworthy. I'm not asking you, neither would I trust a stranger. And the reason you don't have strong faith could be that you're not close enough to the Lord. I have faith because I have found him faithful. How about you? I said, how about you? And so Paul said, God is able to keep what I have committed to him. The word keep in this verse means to guard or to keep an eye on. Again, the easy to read version says this, and I am sure that he is able to protect what I have put into his care. Several years ago, I was in America and I was uh, returning to Northeast India. And before uh, we left for our trip, I approached my neighbor across the street and I asked him if he would keep an eye on my house in my absence since the house was to be empty while I was gone. And I even gave him the key to the front door and I gave him some phone numbers like my parents' number. And while I was here in Nagaland, I was notified that the, uh, the alarm in the security system was, was sounding out, but that my neighbor had called my parents and they came and they went inside and they, they switched off the alarm and it wasn't a break-in, just a glitch in the system, you see, and all was well. But I could not expect my neighbor to keep an eye on my house if I didn't first ask him to do so and then also give into his hands the things he needed to do that. God will keep what you give him. If you want him to guard your life, then you have to give your life to him. Some people blame God for not protecting them or not protecting certain parts of their life which they have never committed into his care. Are you out there today? So over the past couple of weeks... We have been talking about character, godly, Christ-like character. And to recap, character describes the qualities of a person's nature. It is the attributes and tendencies that an individual possesses and also demonstrates in his daily life. Character is the degree to which your behavior matches the ideals that you profess to value. In other words, you say you believe in honesty. You say that's important to you. You say that you treasure faithfulness. But character is not just knowing that those things are important. Character is living that way. 
Can I get another amen? One, of the vi- one vital part of godly character, an absolute necessity, is commitment. Commitment. Praise the Lord. The word commitment doesn't seem to thrill you tonight, but the, world, the word commitment has several definitions depending on how the word is used. But for our purposes here, I would describe commitment as devotion. Devotion. So commitment is a combination of loyalty and faithfulness. It means being dedicated. It means making a pledge, pledging yourself to something. Commitment turns a promise into a reality. Nothing worthwhile is achieved in this life without commitment. No matter what the issue is, no matter what the topic, no matter what area of life, nothing worthwhile is accomplished without commitment. And if you want to do great things, you're going to need a greater commitment. Come on, am I preaching to anybody? Some of you look like a photograph here. Are you there today? Don't make me come down there. I will. Professional athletes, they exercise, they practice constantly. They don't wait to the day before the Olympics, you know, to say, hey, I think I better lose a few pounds. No, no, they, they are constantly working. Top musicians, professional musicians, they rehearse continually. They practice continually. So I remember um, reading this. There was a man who lived right next door to a famous concert pianist a woman who was uh, uh, renowned for her skill, and she traveled all over the world playing the piano in different concerts. And so a newspaper reporter said to this man, it must be a great honor living next to someone who is so famous. And he said, are you kidding? Day and night, night and day, she's banging away on that piano, playing those scales. Da 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 da. Oh, it gives me headaches. But see, she was excellent because she was committed. You see, in Nagaland, in Northeast India, there are many gifted amateurs, but few professionals. What's the difference? Commitment. Commitment will take you further than talent. There are a lot of people who have talent, but not the discipline to refine and hone that talent into something really unique and useful. Come on, am I talking to anybody here today? And likewise, and this is really my point tonight, you will never do great things for God without commitment. Come on, I meet Christians all the time who say things like, oh, I've always dreamed of, you know, doing something wonderful for God's kingdom. I just, I just believe that one day God has something for me. I believe God's called me to do great things. Listen, that will remain nothing more than a dream or an idle wish without commitment. But God called me. Honey, a call is an invitation. It's your response that makes that call a reality. Hallelujah. The men and women that God has used throughout church history to usher in revival, to awaken the church, to win the world for Christ, were men and women of great commitment. We can think of men from the past like Martin Luther, John Wesley, 
We can think of others like Charles Finney and D.L. Moody. We can come closer to modern times, men like Oral Roberts and Billy Graham. None of these people considered Christianity a hobby. None of them saw this as some kind of pastime, Sunday morning entertainment. They were totally sold out. They have given themselves completely to the work of Christ. Hallelujah. D.L. Moody, I mentioned him a moment ago. D.L. Moody said this. I love this. Put it on the screen for me. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. Come on. Let me read that again. Take some of the wax out of your ears. Try it again. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man or a woman fully consecrated to him. I think we could say fully committed to him. Then he said, by God's help, I aim to be that man. What What would happen if you just gave yourself completely to the Lord? No reservation, no holding back where he could take you, what he could do through you. Friends, you wouldn't be just a nobody. You would be a somebody. Come on now. Come on now. I'm preaching better than you're amening. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. You may not be called to the full-time ministry. Maybe you'll never preach before large crowds of people. But nonetheless, God has brought you into his kingdom for such a time as this. And your life is not insignificant. God does know insignificant things. Your life is a witness. Your life is to be an influence in your generation. Hallelujah. But it takes commitment. It's either you're all in or not at all. Half measures won't do. Hallelujah. Again, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Greek word committed in this verse is the word paratheke, paratheke. And it literally means, I think this is interesting, it literally means to make a deposit. See, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded he's able to keep or guard or protect that which I have committed to him, paratheke, to make a deposit. Well, when I deposit money in the bank, I am trusting that bank to guard my money securely. They don't guard or keep the money that I don't deposit. They're not keeping an eye out on the money I have hidden under my mattress. And don't worry, that's just a figure of speech. I don't have any money in my mattress. If you're thinking of coming to my house, you won't find any there. Huh? They protect, they keep the money that I have committed to them, that I have given to them, that I have deposited with them. What you, and that money that I deposit isn't lost. Oh, that money's gone now. Oh, well, too bad. No, it's saved. What you give to God isn't lost. It's saved. Come on, I don't think you're getting it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Listen to this. Listen to the scripture. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. <laughs> Do you ever think about this? We are saved by a commitment to Christ. Because commitment is part of faith. We are saved by a commitment. The person, Jesus says, the person who tries to preserve and hold on to his old life, his old sinful life, in the end, he's going to lose it all. But the one who gives up his old life for Christ will receive a new and better life. Hallelujah. Amen. But not only concerning salvation, but the Christian life itself is all about commitment. It begins with commitment. It doesn't stop there. You will never go any further in God than your commitment will allow. I really believe this. It's not up to God how far you go, how far you advance, how far you develop, what you're able to accomplish and achieve by his grace. It's up to you. You can go as far as you want to go. You can go as high as you want to go. You can go as deep as you want to go. It just depends on your commitment. Hallelujah. The problem with many Christians is this. And of course, we know that these are the Sunday morning Christians, not the Wednesday night Christians. But the problem with many Christians is this. They are completely committed to other things. Completely committed to their career, their business. Some are completely committed to politics or, of course, to family, various causes. Some are completely committed to hobbies. They say, my hobby is my passion. That's what I live for. But the same people are hardly committed at all to the things of God. And that's why they're weak Christians. That's why they're weak. Huh? But we are persuaded better things concerning you, so brighten up. Put a smile on your face. Even if you're saying, ouch, go ahead and say, ouch, me. Amen. <laughs> Jesus must be first place in our hearts. He must come before everything else. If you're committed to anything else more than to Jesus, that thing is an idol in your life, and God will not bless it. He's a jealous God. I said he's a jealous God. He must be first place in our hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You love your family. That's wonderful. I understand that. You should. You should. But because you love your family, you need to be totally committed to Christ. Because you will not be a blessing to your family if you only serve the Lord half-heartedly. You won't be the husband God wants you to be unless you're fully committed to him. You won't be the wife and the mother that God has called you to be unless you are fully committed to the Lord. Come on now. Amen. Glory to God. You have work, you have responsibilities, and you want God to bless it. He wants to bless you, but he must come first. When you're blessed the way God wants you to be blessed, you don't chase after money. Money chases after you. 
Hallelujah. See, God didn't call you to be a money chaser. He called you to be a God chaser. You chase after the Lord, and then the money chases after you. That's the way it works in God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't compartmentalize Jesus. Don't limit him to Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. He should be involved in every aspect of our lives. Jesus should be not just reserved to one little box, one little square on the calendar. He should be smack dab middle, in the middle of everything we do. Amen. He cares about you. And he cares about every aspect of your life. In other words, it's not limited to reading the Bible and praying. He's interested in your family. He's interested in your business. He's interested, you know, in your finances. He's interested in your health. He's interested in, your, in the people you socialize with and, and your friends. He's interested in all these things. And if you make him the center of your life, he will influence all of those things and they will ex- be recipients of his grace and it'll be blessed. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Hebrew word for commit in this verse means to roll upon, to roll over on. And I think the idea basically is this. Place your hopes and dreams in the master's hand. Put it in his hand. You know, sometimes if we just try to chase after, follow and, uh, our own dreams, those dreams turn into a nightmare. But you put it in his hand, see what he can do with it. I'm telling you, he can make something beautiful. Hallelujah. Entrust it to him and then trust him with it. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me say this. Commitment is a part of faith. Commitment is a part of faith. 2 Timothy 1.12, again, put that verse back up. Yeah, there you go. 2 Timothy 1.12 says this, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him. If you look at this carefully, you'll see there's a progression. There's a progression. Look at this again. I know. I believe, I'm persuaded, I have committed. There's a progression. There's a progression. It starts with, I know, I know him. Then, I believe, I'm fully persuaded. Then, I have committed. So if Christians are not really committed to the Lord, it's because they're not really persuaded. Hmm? And if they're not really persuaded, not fully convinced, it's because they do not believe as they should. And if they don't believe fully or as they should, it's because they don't know him well enough. So the root problem is they are neglecting their fellowship with the Father. They're not spending enough time with the Lord in his presence and in his word. That's the root problem. Because when that's there, the knowledge gives birth to the faith, the persuasion, and here comes the commitment. 
Amen. If you really believe that God is good and you really believe that he loves you, loves you more than anybody in the world and wants the best for you. And if you believe that he has the power to work it all out in your life, that nothing is too difficult for him. Why would you hesitate to surrender your all to him? You hesitate because you're not really sure. Amen. Amen. When we live life our way, it can be really tough. Really tough. Come on, a lot of Christians want to join Frank Sinatra and saying, I did it my way. But they found out my way was the highway to hell. <laughs> Come on. It's so much better when we do it his way. When we live life the way he has called us to live, we still face challenges, that's for sure. But there's grace. There's strength from heaven. There's his helping hand. He brings us through to the other side, and it's victory, and it's a glorious testimony. If we are committed to God, we are determined to please him, and we want his will for our lives more than our own will. The best example of commitment goes back to a garden where the Son of God knelt down and made a decision to go to the cross. He knew the suffering that awaited him. He was not caught unawares. He knew exactly what was going to transpire just in the next few minutes. The suffering, the humiliation, the torment, the agony of hell itself. He could have said, no, 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 it's not worth it. It's not worth it. In fact, the Bible says his sweat there was so much pressure, his sweat became like drops of blood. So much pressure. He could have said, no, forget it. He could have got up and, and said, I'm getting out of here. No, sir, Rebob, I'm not hanging around here. I'm not going through all that for anybody. But he made his commitment. Not my will, but your will be done. And once he made that decision, he never looked back. As they were arresting him, he wasn't saying, you know, I'm having second thoughts about this. When he stood before Pontius Pilate, he, he, didn't, he didn't say, huh, tell you what, you let me go and I'll work a miracle for you. No, 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 no. He never wavered. Don't waver on your commitment to God. Hallelujah. A commitment is a decision to do it his way. And our commitment in this Christian life is a response to Christ's sacrifice for us. He gave himself for us so we should give ourselves to him. He died for us so we should live for him. Notice this scripture, Romans 12:1. I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I appeal to you. The word appeal means to earnestly ask. I'm really asking this. To plead with. To make an urgent request. So Paul did not say, I demand this. You must do this. Absolutely, my way. 
No, that's the wrong tone. That's not the right spirit. He says, I'm asking you to do this. I'm pleading with you. And notice this phrase, again, Romans 12, 2, oh, 12, 1, sorry. Notice this phrase, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. And see, what he means is this. In the previous chapter, chapter 11, as he closes out that chapter, he, he told us that Jews and Gentiles alike are saved because of God's mercy in Romans 11, verses 30 and 31. So what he's saying in chapter 12, verse 1 is, in view of God's mercy, when you consider all that he has done for you, it's only reasonable that you should commit your life to him. You should be fully committed to him. Some folks say, well, I'm ready to die for Jesus. That would be a dead sacrifice. He's looking for a living sacrifice. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen to the Passion Translation. What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. Lack of commitment in our Christian life means we have forgotten his mercy. We have forgotten all the mercy has shown to us and continues to shower on us. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter eight. I gotta give you some background. In this chapter, Paul is explaining how the Christians in Macedonia, which is a, like Greece, but it's northern Greece, northern province of Greece, how the believers in Macedonia, mainly in, in Philippi, they were generous. And they gave money to support Christians who were suffering in Jerusalem. A lot of turmoil going on in Jerusalem at that time. And Paul and his ministry team, his companions, they were arranging a special offering which they intended to collect and take to Jerusalem. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul begins by bragging or boasting on the believers in Macedonia because he wanted to inspire or stir up the believers in Corinth so that they also would be generous, so they would get involved. And he describes these people in Macedonia. And he says in verse two and three that though they were poor, they gave generously and they did so with joy. Some, some people are generous in their giving, but man, it looks like, you know, they've lost their best friend. It just looks like, you know, they're just in, in, in deep pathos. I just gave it all to God. That's not what God wants. He wants a joyful sacrifice. The Bible says concerning Christ, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That doesn't mean he enjoyed the cross, but for the joy that was set before him, he went ahead and was committed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And he says that these people gave even beyond their means. They gave money they didn't even have to give. How do you do that? I guess you borrow it or something like that. Amen? And but, but that's all another topic and we don't have time for that. But then in verse five, notice this. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. 
Before they gave their money, they gave themselves. So you know what? We could do this. We could have the ushers come here tonight and pass one of those blue offering buckets. And when it comes to you, instead of reaching for your wallet, your purse, you could instruct the usher, would you please put that bucket on the ground and then step in it and say, this, this is my offering. It's me. Oh, my, 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 my. Hallelujah. That's what God wants. Hallelujah. People struggle to give of their time, their talent, and their resources for the work of God because they first haven't given themselves to the Lord. They still think, well, it's my life, and I can do what I want to. Friend, you don't even belong to you. You don't belong to you. Have you never read? For you have been bought with a price. Come on, you love to say, I've been redeemed. By the blood of the lamb. Redeemed means you have been bought. You have been purchased. Hallelujah. You belong to him. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is fully committed to us. We are not his hobby. We are not his weekend pastime. He's not up there collecting stamps and coins and, you know, and he also plays badminton, you know, on the weekends. No, we are his passion. But sadly, we often, and of course, I know it's not you, but maybe you know somebody like this. We often are only partially committed to him. Commitment means paying a price. Commitment means paying a price. It's measured by your willingness to do what God has asked, even when it's inconvenient, when it's hurt, when it's hard, and when it hurts. Now think about this. When a couple gets married, you know, they make wedding vows to each other. Some of you are looking earnestly for that day. I'm sure it's coming soon. Right, but you know, when you get married, they don't just say, are you okay with this? Yeah, I'm okay with this. Are you happy with this? I'm happy with this. Okay, you're a couple. No, that's not how it works. I mean, I'm, I'm, every wedding I've been to, you know, the, the, the question is asked, you know, do you promise to love this person for richer or poorer in sickness and health? You know, till death do you part. Well, you can't say the richer and the health part, I do. The bad part, I don't. And, 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 and you don't get married thinking, in case this doesn't work out, I'll just jump out of this, jump into another marriage. You, you should never get married with that thought in your mind. See, when, when I got married, my wife didn't speak English as her first language. So they said, till death do you part. She understood that to mean, if you fool around with someone, I'll kill you. And she vigorously said, I will. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, in a marriage, a success, you cannot have a successful marriage without commitment. Am, am I talking to anybody here? Anybody married? It's not an altar call. Anybody want to get married? I, you don't have to raise your hand. I see that look on your face. 
lot of people want the bennies, the benefits of marriage, but not the commitment that goes with marriage. See, some, some girls get married because, you know, some girls don't want a husband. They want an ATM. I've said this before, you'll, you'll pardon me for repeating myself, but maybe some of the students need to say, hear this, listen, my dear sister, if you're not willing to cook for a man, clean for him, take care of him, don't get married. I suggest you buy a cat. <laughs> Amen. Same with the men. Takes commitment takes commitment, you know, through thick and thin. And the longer you're married, the thicker she gets. You know, you, you got to, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> but you stay with it, right? In the hard times, you, you, stick, you stick together, right? Amen. You know, when they weld two pieces of metal together, they, 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 they get them hot. And they put this welding, you know, torch in the middle and, they, and they're fused together and they're bonded together. Well, th there will be some hot times. I don't mean the bedroom now. I'm talking about the challenges. <laughs> Let me preach to these people. I'm talking about the challenges of life. But those will fuse you together. That, those will weld you together. Amen. You keep going. Is, is it not true? Is it not true? I see some married people who don't want to say anything, but they're shaking their head. <laughs> you and I are in a covenant relationship with the Lord. God is not interested in dating you. You're married to him. You're married. You're married. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The apostle Paul said, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. So I read that and I think, oh, glory. <laughs> My wife uses her authority so that I'll take out the trash. <laughs> I have authority over your body. Take your body and clean up this mess you made. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we are married to the Lord. That means we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. We have given ourselves to him. Amen. Hallelujah. And we should stay with him in the good times and the bad times. Come on, there's some people, they're just like one disappointment away from turning their back on Jesus. Come on, there's some people, they're just one unanswered prayer away from walking away from the whole thing. Forget it, forget it. No, 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 no. That is not the kind of commitment God is looking for. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No Though none go with me, yet I will follow. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. That's the kind of commitment. No, 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 no. We, we will not even think about we will not even think about backing up or maybe cooling off our affections or maybe, eh, maybe I just won't get so involved with the things of God. No, 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 no. That's exactly what the enemy wants. In fact, when the hard times come, we lean in. 
we're going to even be more committed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in this life, we should be growing in godly character, right? We should be strengthening and developing areas of integrity, honesty, and faithfulness. We also need to grow in our commitment. We should be more committed to Jesus today than we were yesterday. It's a terrible thing when you look back on your life and think, oh yeah, back in that year, back in 1998, back in 2007, I was really committed to the Lord. That's a sad, that's a sad thing. You sh- your life should be progress- progressing, not digressing. Now, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you hear a message like this, it's not what you wanted to hear. You think, I've got so many other problems, I don't really want to hear this. But listen, maybe this is what you need to hear. Sometimes we think, hey, I don't know why. I don't know why, you know, we need to hear this message. I am fully committed. I'm fully committed. We think, God, I've given you all I have. But then why do you hear him asking for more? I said, why do you hear him in your heart asking for more? Come on, I want more than that. I want more than Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I want more than five minutes in the morning. I want more than that from you. I want more. When God is asking you for more, it's because he wants to give you more. He wants to give you more of himself. Hallelujah. I don't know if this message has touched your heart or, 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 or stirred anything in you, but I'd like to ask you to stand with me to your feet right now. Praise the Lord. And-